So one of the magic tricks everybody looks to accomplish is getting business from the attorney. But I think before you can get business or referrals from anybody, you need to understand the business. More importantly, we need to understand what they're doing to serve their customer so we can help them serve it better to be more effective to earn that business. And my path as a real estate probate uh, specialist, I go to court and I met, um, gosh, it's been at least four years now, pre-COVID, in the hallway, had, had the luxury of waiting for a court case and bumped into attorney William Hayes, Bill Hayes. And we had a chance to chat and create a friendship. And ever since, I've had a chance to learn from his webinars. We've had conversations and meet him at industry events. Bill Hayes, thank you so much for joining our call today. Thank you for having me, Bill. Real live attorney. We're glad to have you here. So and in particular today, we wanted to talk about um, the, um, you have a webinar that I saw was great, how to pay for long-term care costs without losing your assets. So one of the issues is some of the some of the programs that exist or some of the opportunities for care um, require certain uh, limits as far as assets and income and such. And so let's talk a bit about what are some of the issues that relate to people who are saving money and then need money for their long-term care? Okay. Yeah, I, I noticed that some of the people on the uh, show today are out of state. So what I say today here uh, pertains mostly to California, but for the most part, these rules, these laws are nationwide. California is unique in the country in terms of the kind of uh, liberal uh, uh, allowance of, um, for, for one to qualify for Medi-Cal. Um, generally in the country, you can qualify if you meet a certain income an asset standard. And um, the income, depending on the state, might be that you not have any more than $2,000 in countable assets. And that does not mean the total uh, assets that you have, but they're talking about liquid assets or things that are uh, able to be liquidated. Uh, <clears throat> you must also meet a certain income standard. And with the income, it's, it's a, a bit different because no matter what your income is, that income is uh, allocated to whatever your medical costs are. So if you have $10,000 a month medical bills, and let's say you have a retirement policy that's paying you $5,000, well, that $5,000 is largely going to be uh, allocated to your share of the medical costs that you've incurred. Okay? So it doesn't necessarily disqualify you, but that money will have to be applied to that cost. In California, they are making some major changes uh, where it used to be that we had that $2,000 standard of accountable assets that you could have. Um, last year, I believe it was, they changed the rule. And now you can have $130,000 uh, of countable assets, which could be $130,000 in cash. And in addition to that, you can have an additional $65,000 for other people under, under the same roof. So it's, it's pretty generous in, in what one can have and still qualify for Medicaid in California. Now, if you think that's a, a great thing, now they are considering eliminating the asset requirement altogether, which would mean that you could have maybe a million dollars and still qualify for Medicaid. 
the only downside would be that your share of the cost would um, be offset by your income. So if you have a retirement po policy and annuities and IRAs and so forth that provide you a monthly income, well, that would have to be allocated to your share of costs. So if your income exceeds those medical bills, well, certainly you're not gonna be receiving any benefits. So, um, yeah. So, and you said the maximum number of assets for at current for some programs is $2,000. Obviously, you know, if you live in Los Angeles, if your rent, your two that month payments more than $2,000 a month, if you own a house, unless you bought a long time ago, uh, it's gonna be more than $2,000. So I think that's where the estate planning comes into play, right? That you have the opportunity to um, account for assets in a way that allow you to qualify while still um, uh, having the benefit of the assets. Is that the right way to put it? I don't want to get yeah. ourselves in trouble here, but. Yeah, well, that, that is it largely though. What a, a lot of people do, middle-class people will do, middle and upper middle-class people will do is to set up a separate trust, a Medicaid trust, an irrevocable trust. And you can set up that trust and there are, in California, again, our, California being liberal in this way, we have rules that other states don't, don't have. So in California, if you have assets that would disqualify you from being eligible to receive Medicaid, what you might do is set up a separate irrevocable trust. Now, if you already have a living trust, well, a living trust is a revocable trust. You know, that's a trust that you can revoke or amend whenever you want to. Just to clarify, it's revocable. So living trust is one where while you're alive, you can put it in the trust and then you can change your mind and take it out of the trust. Exactly, exactly. Okay. Now, so let's say you already have a living trust and you have your house in that trust and your bank accounts and so forth. Well, the fact that it's in a trust, if it's revocable, it does not mean that you have found a way to resolve your issue because the assets in that living revocable trust are just still deemed to be your assets. On the other hand, what people will do is say, okay, I, I, yes, I have a living trust, I have assets, but I'm still unqualified to receive Medi-Cal. How do I get these assets out of my name? Well, one way that you would do that would be to set up an irrevocable trust which we often refer to surprisingly as a Medicaid trust. Yeah, and that's the only reason why you would do it? Is that the only reason why what? That you would do an irrevocable trust is for Medicaid? No, no, there are all types of irrevocable trusts, but mm -hmm. there's this one, in this particular case, it, it has to do with Medicaid. So <clears throat> you set up the irrevocable trust and you transfer the assets that are in your name as an individual, as well as those assets that may be in the name of your living trust into that irrevocable Medicaid trust. In California, they have rules that allow us to make these transfers in ways that no other state in the country is allowed to do. Imagine that. Huh? Imagine that, California. Imagine that. Exactly. Hard to believe. I know. <laughs> Lefty pinkles here. <laughs> well, certainly we are, we have our own way of doing things. I mean, at, at no. that part, I, without making a judgment like that one way or the other, we certainly have our own rules. Yes, yes. And so one of the rules 
that we have here <clears throat> is that you can do something that's called stacked gifting. And what that means is that you can transfer assets out of your name into the irrevocable trust. And as long as you make the amount of your transfer on a daily basis and keep it under what's called the average private pay rate in California. And, and let me explain what that is. The average private pay rate is what is the average uh, pay rate for a one month stay in a nursing home, the state average. So currently that's somewhere I forget exactly, but it's over $11,000. So if we were to transfer on a daily basis, $10,000 in assets into that living trust, and you did that every business day of the month, so you know, 20, let's say 20 days out of the month, you could transfer $200,000 into that irrevocable Medicaid trust. And you can do that month after month until all of your assets are out of your name. And the transfers that would occur within that month would only disqualify you from receiving Medicaid for a one month period. Now, on the other hand, if you were to take that $200,000 and just instead of transferring it under that private pay rate, and tell me if, if you know this is starting to sound confusing because I'm, I'm used to saying it and I know people aren't used to hearing it. But, um, but if you were to transfer it in a way other than that, under that pay rate, and you just took $200,000 and attempted to transfer that into an irrevocable trust or give it to your best friend, well, that would disqualify you from receiving Medi-Cal, which is Medi-Cal and Medicaid are the same thing, by the way. It's just called Medi-Cal in California. So just that, hold one second. Let me just clarify a couple of definitions here. Course, so yeah. in America, we, in the United States, we have two different programs. We have Medicare and Medicaid at the federal level. Medicare is non-means tested, means everybody uh, pays into it, like Social Security, and everybody is, is qualified to receive it as care. When you're 65, it's almost the only medical care available through insurance. My wife turned 65 before me. I turned 65 in January. You, you go from your private care to Medicare, which is it's a very generous program, and then you can buy some supplemental insurance on top of it. That's Medicare. has nothing to do with how much you make. Medicaid at the federal level is means tested, meaning it's designed for people of low income. And the way they do that is they distribute the money to the states. States create their own program. And in California, we call it Medicaid, other Medi-Cal. So the, Med the California version of Medicaid is called Medi-Cal. Different states have their own version of that. And so what he's describing is uh, that when you're retired or older in life, uh, you might have assets, no income, so you could qualify for Medicaid, but for your assets, and so we're descri describing ways to dispose of the assets or to move the assets in a way that you can benefit from them legally and still qualify for Medicaid, which is the means tested program. And it's interesting that it costs so much money to qualify for Medicaid that really only rich people can qualify for it in some regards. The whole thing is kind of crazy, but we, you know, if you pay taxes in the system, then you're entitled, I think, to benefit from it. So that's why you need an attorney like the Hayes Law Firm to help you through this process. So that's what we're describing in detail. Now, you might not like the details. I think it's important to know what you can. And I think it's not, I'm not an attorney. I would never explain the details to a customer, but I might talk about the concepts. And the other thing I want to emphasize to those of you not in California, we interview attorneys from multiple states because we're looking to understand the principles of the business, not just the specifics. 
And that's how we learn and improve ourselves. So, okay, I'm sorry to jump in there. So we're describing then the transfer process and how one transfers, meaning those rules from your revocable trust into your irrevocable Medicaid trust. And it has to be that dollar amount, approximately $10,000 per working day would allow you to transfer $200,000 from your revocable living trust into your irrevocable or non-revocable Medicaid trust. Does that sound about right? It sounds exactly right. And I don't want people to think that I'm just talking about transfers from trust to trust. If you have that $200,000 in your pocket and decide that you want to get that cash out of your name so that you can qualify for Medi-Cal, you just transfer $10,000 into that Medi-Cal trust account on a daily basis until you qualify. So, um, yeah. One of the things, one of the things I, I remember a line from the movie Wall Street, the original Wall Street was, um, what's the name of the actor? Um, Bud Fox says, you know, I never, never knew how much money I made till I start planning legally. And I think that's the thing that we all should aspire to get to, right? Is uh, you want to get to a point where you have to deal with these details. You want to get to where you have to sit with an attorney and, and uh, manage your income properly and your assets properly. Uh, this is the responsibility, I think, of creating wealth is for preparing for yourself. And then if you have the opportunity to prepare for your legacy and generations after you, right? That's, that's what this is really about. That's what it's about. And, you know, a lot of emphasis used to be placed by estate attorneys on uh, tax planning for high net worth people. Um, how do we avoid the estate tax for our clients? Well, the estate tax threshold was raised so high now that there are very few people that have to be concerned about the estate taxes. It's like 12.96 million per person uh, of estate tax exclusion before you have to worry about having to pay anybody. And, and then the truth is, is that there's less than 2% of the population has to deal with the estate tax issue to begin with. So now that high net worth people don't have to worry about that as an issue. And by the way, they only have to, they, they only have peace of mind until year 2026 because it's a, the estate tax is supposed to revert to 5 million adjusted for cost of living as well. But, uh, I'm really, I better start planning now for 2026. I don't want to be subject to that law come 2026. That's going to be a problem. Actually, a lot of people are. If you own a house you know, in LA and, and they can go up another 25%, 30% between now and then, it's not a lot to get into that number anymore. And it, with inflation, what sounds like a lot you know, 10 years from now, 10 years from now, isn't going to be all that much. Sure. How many people do you know who are bragging about the fact that they're millionaires now because their house is a million dollars? And it's it's, a, it's basically a house that was, you know, they, they didn't think of as being something that was all that special. But these days, everybody's house is close to some number that was unimaginable before. So, yeah, yeah. even though it may be temporary, who knows? But so, okay, so this is a very specialized area, and in prior episodes you've been on, and we've talked about your history and how you got in this field, and I, I think the couple things I want to do is, one, I wanted to kind of give our listeners a idea. There's such an area called Medicaid planning that's appropriate for as people get older and as they get, you know, also when people are approaching, let's say, sick sicknesses, major issues, how do you plan for that? The insurance, one of my best friends 
I think he's one of the wealthiest people in New Mexico. Um, both he and his wife had terrible medical problems. And, and I remember him saying to me, you know, Bill, I made a lot of money. I saved a lot of money. I invested a lot. But when you have medical problems, it goes so fast. And in my case, my wife just battled cancer for a year and a half. Thank God she scanned cancer-free about two, three weeks ago. I think the total medical bills were like $500,000, $600,000. And that's not really a lot compared to other people. And without, if the medical insurance didn't cover for some reason, whoo, that would have been painful. So I think these are all things we all need to think about as we get older, make some money, want to be responsible, and then share with our customers. I think that's the important part. If we're real estate agents or we're investors or we're financial planners or accountants, we want to share with our, our customers, not the solution. There's a problem. And one solution might be, I mean, introduce him to Bill Hayes. One solution might be, hey, there's a webinar. If you go to his website, I would urge you all to go to Hayes Law Firm. And he has on their tab for webinars and it's all there. I mean, and it's free, right? It's, I'm not giving away any store secrets here. Uh, you can learn a little more detail if you want, or you can link and send that to your customers and say, hey, I saw this presentation and these are issues that might be of benefit to you and make sure you check them out. So the goal here isn't to train us on Medicaid uh, irrevocable trust is to train us on there's a problem and we want to be part of the solution and refer them to the solution if that makes sense. How did you get it in this particular area and develop the expertise specifically that, I mean, I, I know a lot of attorneys like you do planning and this issue comes up, but I don't see too many that have put a webinar together on the subject. And I know you've given some presentations on it. I've seen as well online, uh, I believe. How, how did this topic become one that you've developed some expertise in? Well, I, I think I may have mentioned on our uh, on a previous presentation that I, I started out doing entertainment law, and um, I worked for a firm. And one of the clients was an old movie actress, uh, Susan Hayward, and she was a best uh, winner of uh, Best Actress Academy Award winner. Um, she was a very popular, talented actress. Well, when she died, um, the firm asked that I handle the probate of her estate. And that was my introduction to estate work. And I found that I really found it more interesting than doing entertainment work. Uh, but it's, as far as Medicaid planning, which by the way, the, the more general description for the Medicaid planning, because it includes other facets, is elder law. And you may have mm. heard phrase before, but that's largely what elder law is about. How do we protect the assets of our clients as they age? And I, I remember that I had a partner years ago who, whose father had been a Medi-Cal recipient. And at, at that time, I was still practicing entertainment law, and he was the guy who had just come out of the U.S. Attorney's Office. Uh, and we were talking about how do we help his father uh, not lose his house because mm. um, he's uh, he had been receiving Medi-Cal. Well, the father died. I, I didn't pay a lot of attention to it. I, to, to the degree I was, was trying to help a friend, but I didn't focus on it. But the father lost the house. And that always bothered me. And, and, and I started to look into it the more I became involved in estate planning law. And I discovered that this there is this bill of elder law that is meant to help people as they grow older. And the, the, the one thing that people don't consider as 
as, as years go by, is how are they going to take care of their long-term care health issues as they grow older? Because in most cases, people don't have long-term care insurance and your health insurance does not cover long-term care. Um, and Medicare, Medicare as opposed to Medi-Cal, will only cover up to 100 days of long-term care needs. And then you are on your own, meaning you have to pay for it out of your pocket. So it, it, it just occurred to me that if I'm doing estate planning and I'm not dealing with the issue that everybody has to confront, now, how are you going to pay for those long-term care bills that will totally upend your thoughts about how you thought your golden years were going to be? Then I'm not really doing an effective job for people. So I started studying elder law and, and uh, developed a better understanding of what Medicaid planning was about. And, and I, as I always say, when I have done estate planning presentations before, is that if you have a trust, and your trust does not include planning of strategies for how you're going to pay for those long-term care bills uh, as you grow older, then you don't, you mm. haven't effectively planned. Right. You know, I mean, you, you have just something that's shiny and you can say you have a trust, but what happens as you grow older and you can't pay those medical bills? Well, and, you know, and I see different numbers, but one number that I often see is that 66% of all bankruptcies are due to medical bills. You know, and, and I got to believe that a good percentage of that has to be long-term care. On one hand, that's a bad thing. On the other hand, it's a good thing, right? Because, um, you know, it's bad that people bankrupt, of course. And it's good that we have the ability to avoid, you know, going negative and destroying, you know, the legacies. And you can separate spouses and there's other things you can do. But uh, definitely, it, it certainly impacts people. And we see all that. Before I go further, this is meant to be participative. Now, we're not live streaming today because we have some technical issues. So we just have those of you on the Zoom call. But if you have questions, want to jump in, ask a question or a particular case you'd like to run by, you can't give legal advice, but you can talk about the business side. Feel free to raise your hand or put in the chat box. I'd love to have you participate. And Bill, well, I think by, one of the reasons- By the way, Bill, you, you mentioned um, um, where they could go to get the information mm -hmm. about our webinars. Mm -hmm. you, you just go to our website, which is Los Angeles Trust Law. Mm -hmm. And that, that's where you can register for, for the various webinars. And we also have a YouTube channel. Yeah, they have all kinds of resources. If you want to learn about Crowbay, great. Look, I watched every YouTube on his channel. Uh, and uh, I really, I, I, uh, you should be charging me tuition, I think. I'm admitting this, and I'm going to deny it if you send me a bill. But one of the reasons I got involved in this topic personally also is the scare I got. You know, um, I mentioned my wife's uh, uh, medical care. But the thing is, you have a limited number of long-term care days. You know, we might say, well, you know, when I go, I'm going to go like that. But it's not that simple. For example, my wife had surgery. Post-surgery, uh, she was not able to come home. She was, she was initially not physically able to care of herself. I'm not able to nurse her. And so there's a nursing care kind of intermediate step, a rehabilitation center that people go to post-hospital. Hospitals push people out faster now because they want to be doing more expensive work. And so some of the days you spend in the hospital and, and you're not ready to go home yet are in this middle care, which you have a limited number of days on that medical care pays for. It's great. They pay for, I think, 100 days in your lifetime. That's great until the 101st day pops up and now you got to start paying for it. And in our case, you know, she used a number of the days already. So now we have to think about it. 
My neighbor next door years ago bought a long-term care policy and he has for his wife, unfortunately, she has some issues, full-time 24 uh, seven live-in care because of the insurance policy that he bought, I think 10 or 15 years ago. And she's lived now, I think five or six years with these two nurses coming all day long every day. You can't even buy that policy today because it's so expensive. And so uh, if you're in a position where you need long-term nursing care, that's where I think most people, you can have all the medical insurance and, and surgical procedures covered and prescriptions. But as you mentioned, Bill, you have a certain number of days. The long-term care part is the part that people don't plan on that really catch it. And what are you gonna do? Like in my case, if my wife came home and we run out of days, what do you do? And the answer is you either continue to care. If it's life, like, they're, you know, they're giving her shots and drawing blood and doing things I could never do individually, right? So thank God she's fine and and, and hopefully she'll live well and live a long life together. But um, for all of us, we should be planning ahead and thinking about that, either getting insurance policy or understanding to put money away. Uh, and, and if we have the assets, if we're blessed with the assets, organize them properly and help our customers organize them properly so they can maximize the benefit of those. Okay, so that's the kind of technical side of the product. Now, I know that you do webinars. Um, how do you currently present this material to the marketplace? Is it just, do you get referred now by people like me? I see you as an expert in this field. Is it, is there something you do actively regularly? Is there a, organizations that you participate in to promote yourself or do business development? How do you, let's talk about the business side, the, the business owner, Bill Hayes, how do you, promote this um, expertise so that you can train into business? Well, generally what we've done is a lot of SEL marketing. Uh, so we do Facebook and Instagram and uh, some LinkedIn. Uh, we do uh, endorsed marketing to with corporations where we'll have our webinars presented to the corporation employees. Um, I, I, I write articles for publications and we have a blog. Um, so and we're, as you know, Bill, we're kind of going through some retooling on our marketing at this point. But what I find is, is that we kind of, uh, it seems as though we've kind of reached a critical mass because it doesn't seem that we slow down at all. And, and we're quite busy, um, but I still intend to get back into doing more marketing to make sure the pipeline stays full. Sure. Well, that's the uh, the job of the um, uh, what's I'm looking for the rainmaker of your firm, which is you. <laughs> I guess you're also the, the lead attorney and the senior partner and the junior partner or whatever. But uh, right, exactly. <laughs> right. So uh, so I and I see um, attorneys like you uh, putting out I think good informative content that is of benefit to me as a person, to me as a professional and my customers, you know, one of the things I encourage agents to do is you know, follow a topic, learn about it by reading the content, comment on it, you know, ask questions. Um, how do you view when you're seeing comments or questions on a LinkedIn or Facebook on one of your posts um, from, you know, somebody happens to be a real estate agent or something else, it, you know, do you see people participating, adding to the discussion? Do you see that as, distraction? Do you see people just, hey, Bill, send me all your referrals. How do you see the interaction in the marketplace on your um, on your social media posts? Let's see the interaction. Do I see it as beneficial, do you mean? Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. I see it as beneficial. Yeah, I, I mean, you have to get people involved and uh, people have questions. And, and listen, I'm in the business of having people ask me questions. Right. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a wonderful thing from my perspective. And so I try to encourage agents that if there's a topic you're interested in, and I don't know if this is it, you know, there's a million different topics related to probate and trust administration and, and such. But if this is an area you're interested in, learn about it. You would see multiple attorneys, multiple presentations. Some use one methodology, some another. Jump in and ask the question. I think generally speaking, if you're asking legitimately a question to learn, like he said, he's in the business of answering questions. Uh, and so I encourage all of you to participate there. This is really adding value in some regards. And I also feel that when I participate, legitimately participate, not, hey, call Bill Gross, list your house with me. Nobody likes that. But when you participate in the asking questions or commenting on your experience in a topic, I'm bringing my audience, some of it to the attorney, and they appreciate that. That's the whole point of the whole marketing is to connect people together, right? Right, absolutely. As you know, we practice not only in the field of Medicaid planning, you know, we do trust of all types. Uh, we do trust administration and we do probate. And you, you also, Bill, you asked about our marketing. Well, this Sunday I'm doing a presentation, a very large church. Uh, and this presentation will be on planned giving. Uh, how do we, uh, how can the church get its parishioners to give more? And, right. and how, what vehicles are available for them to do, to do that kind of giving? So that's, you know, if you can come up with presentations that deal with planned giving, their churches, charities, they're always going to be open to that kind of uh, offer. One of the things I learned in nonprofits, I, I worked in, non, I've been volunteering nonprofits for a good part of my life, uh, USC being one, religious organizations being another. Yeah. Whoever is running that, two things I know are true. One, they love talking about how to raise money because that's their lifeblood, right? Money is the energy that runs organizations. And two, any successful organization, they're good at raising money. Like when I was at USC uh, involved with the Alumni Association raising funds, you better believe USC is good at raising funds. They have systems, they've got people, they have procedures. They're always looking for more help. Uh, but if it's your local church, your local organization, um, sometimes they're not as effective or they're looking for new ways, new tactics. And planned giving is a great way. We've talked to to my rabbi and just haven't got him comfortable enough endorsing it. Like, who do you think is going to pay for all this stuff, Rabbi? Come on, we need to get on the ball and make it more convenient for people to give. Make it more, make people's dollar go farther. You know, when people donate money, they really want to have a legacy. They want to have an impact. And if you can show them how the money is being protected or or being used in a tax advantage way, then that same asset is going to mean more money. Is going to mean more more value to the organization, and everybody wants to have that. So uh, that's another topic. So let's talk about plan giving. What are some of the strategies in giving funds that help a donor get more bang for the buck, or help a organization raise more, uh, raise money more effectively? Well, I mentioned that there are other types of trusts that are irrevocable. Well, some of those trusts are charitable trusts, and there are two primary types of trusts. Uh, that are used in charity so that people can get a tax uh, advantage and uh, get highly appreciated assets out of their name because those, that's going to be part of their taxable estate if they're, if they're a high net worth person. And I'm, and I'm talking about taxable estate, I'm talking about the estate tax. And the estate tax doesn't kick in until $9.6 million at this point. 
Um, so, but you can put asset, put assets into a charitable trust. Uh, get take the uh, uh, tax deduction now for that appreciated asset, and provide it. So have and you can put it into the trust, in either such that you get a, um, a cash flow from the asset, and ultimately it goes to the charity, or it goes to the charity and the. Ultimately, it will go to your beneficiaries, like your children, et cetera. But you get that deduction today. Um, <clears throat> sometimes people have insurance policies. You know, well, if they're high net worth, it, that's considered a part of their estate, their taxable estate. So they have the policy paid to uh, the uh, to the charity. Um, and, and, yeah, I think most people know that the more basic ways of um, donating cars and and boats and houses and so forth. But if, you know, if, for instance, if you have land and you, you know, you've always promised yourself you were going to do something with that land, you're going to develop it. It just never happened. You know, maybe it's time to think about whether you need to get a tax deduction and donate that land to a charitable organization. But there's a long list of, of ways to do that. And of course, people can just have it in their trust or their will that they name it particular charity um, to receive assets directly from um, their estates upon their passing. Uh, when I do trust for people, sometimes people really are not all that uh, clear about who they want to leave their assets to. Sometimes they don't have anybody that they feel that, that warmly about that they want to leave assets to. And oftentimes what I will suggest is that they might want to consider setting up some type of family fund. Now, for instance, not long ago, I had a school teacher here and she had been the head of a music department at a high school. Uh, and she decided that you know, she's now a single woman. She's estranged from her children. Well, she's going to leave her house and her other investment real estate uh, to a fund that's going to be established with the Pasadena Community Foundation. Mm -hmm. I've done the same thing with like the Los Angeles Community Foundation. If you set it up in your own name, uh, you can maybe make small donations from that and such that the fund can be perpetual. Uh, you can maybe just give away the interest every year on whatever the houses that you've liquidated and put into the trust. There are just a number of things that one can do. Another common case is, again, you mentioned highly appreciated assets. Like if you work for a company, you get stock and you know you're, you got the stock basis at a dollar share and now it's trading at $50 a share. Um, for you to liquidate that, you're going to pay taxes on that, that appreciation. You can donate it and, and get the tax deduction at the 50 a share, but you're not paying the tax on having sold it so that you get the tax benefit without having to pay the taxes is a way to, to kind of leverage your, um, your giving. How does that, how is that, that's under the trust as well, or how's that uh, process done? Well, you can do that. You can put securities into a charitable trust um, and you'll avoid having to pay the capital gains that would come from that security. Especially if there was like um, um, options where you're forced to buy, you don't really want to, and then you depend on the tax basis. So there's different gimmicks. And again, the key here is to get with an expert and learn the insides and outs. I don't know them. I know there's key questions. And I do know I've had customers over the years show me how much money they've saved by doing some of these 
tax advantage strategies and take advantage of it. So I know today's topic was, was more technical than usual. And my goal here today was not to, again, train you on the specifics, but to get you aware of these different issues that come up so that when they come up with your customers or come up with your prospects or come up with your community members, you can say, hey, I know there's an issue about that. I know a guy, let's go look at the webinar or send them the link or here's a person you can talk to. Bill, if somebody really wanted to go a little deeper on this or had a personal situation, they want to talk about how they, what's the best way to contact you on your website? I know you have webinars. Uh, there's a phone number where they just call and set an appointment and set some time to talk to you or how would they, what would the next step be? Well, they can call the office directly. And uh, our office number is 626-403-2292. And um, say we have time for us to talk. I love the quote on your website, only put off tomorrow what you're willing to die having left undone. And so certainly you should not leave undone your trust. You should not leave undone the uh, execution of your trust. You should not have left undone the transfer of the appropriate assets in the trust. And all that necessitates at some point getting a plan with somebody and helping them put that together. So one of the people I feel real comfortable with talking about is Bill. Bill, I know I've seen you at the LAREIC. I think you were there a couple of months ago on investing. Is that something you go to regularly? Was that a one-off that I saw you there? Are you going to be no, there tonight? It's something that I'm interested in. You know, I, I, you guys are in the real estate investment business and, and I'm more of a wannabe and I haven't, I've bought properties and I've, I've had, you know, single families I've had commercial property, but I just never stay consistent in it. So okay. Well we we have to see you not lost interest. I want to be one of you guys. <laughs> okay. And so uh we're gonna see you tonight there. You you're going uh, to tonight's no, program no, or not? No, I'm okay. not. So just for those who can't leave here yet. <laughs> exactly. So for those of yeah. you those of you uh uh who don't go at the LARAC, he was he was actually there uh, a couple months ago when the topic was, uh, I think, notes in particular, we have uh, some common friends in that area. So, Bill, thank you so much for being on today. I really appreciate your time. Uh, and I'm sure we'll get a chance to, in fact, I think we're talking next week. So thank you so much. Yeah. Okay, Bill. Okay. Thanks okay. a lot, Bill. Always good to see you. Thanks. And for the rest of you, if you want to get into contact with uh, Attorney Bill Hayes, Hayes Law Firm, uh, LosAngelesTrustLaw.com is the main website, phone number 626 403 2292. But for those who are in the business, right here on his seminar and webinars, he has on-demand webinars on some great topics and a great YouTube channel, just chock full of information. I know, I, I'm sure I've seen everything on his and I've signed up for them from time to time. He had one one time on pets, which I kind of poo-poo in some regards. I'm not really a big dog lover. My wife has a dog that gives you a clue as to where I stand. But you know, to customers, it's really important. And I've seen customers leave money to take care of uh, pets. And I've seen in court where there's fights over that. And so, you know, if it's important to you, uh, it's important to you. If it's important to your customer, then it becomes important to you. So he has some great material there I would urge you to take advantage of. Okay, before we wrap up, just a quick reminder tonight, starting in about a couple hours, lareic.com, the LA County Real Estate Investor Association meeting. I think it's the largest Real Estate Investors event in Los Angeles is free, free 99 my favorite price. It's in West LA in the Culver City area on um, Motor, just south of National. There's an expo, about 50 vendors. I'll be one of them. I'll be live blogging as well. And then there's a, a presentation done. This is actually the same person doing it tonight, Seth um, Phillips, who's an expert on ADUs, additional dwelling units. 
how to find properties to add them on, or if you have a property, what the best ways are to finance them or how to avoid some of the problems people have with them. Uh, again, it's free, starts at uh, 6.30, the Vendor Expo, and then he'll speak after that. I think they're early enough, there's free parking as well. Okay, and then I think um, uh, map price, the Medicare lien have impacts on a trust. Uh, I ask how some attorneys put a blanket lien on both personal and real property. Um, so I think, Matt, the answer is going to be, it's going to depend on your state. We in California, typically, we don't see a lien on the property. What we see is, uh, in the probate process, uh, a creditor's claim. So it's not that the property is liened that, that I've seen. I've never, actually, I've never seen a Medicaid lien. I regularly see a probate, and then they have a creditor claim, and then the state will say, oh, by the way, Joe owes us $80,000 for his Medicaid expenses in the last couple of weeks of his life. So I don't think I've ever seen liens for Medicaid, um, but we do see claims, creditor claims from them regularly they get filed in, Medi in uh, probate cases. Any other questions before we go? It's nice to see everybody. Jeannie Bishop, nice to see you. I know we talked a couple of weeks ago. Um, Peter Gemma, you and I spoke the other day. Can you report any update on your case? Can you talk about? You want to unmute yourself? Hey, what's up, Bill? Hey, what's up? Hey, it was good talking to you. Um, you know, no really update yet. I'm just following the case. Okay. Uh, just working with the lender, making sure the lender's on base with me. Nice. And speaking with my buyer, make sure the buyer's on base with everything the lender's saying. And um, that's pretty much it. Just following, following the the paper trail. You know, I put out to agents every day on these calls. If you have questions, feel free to call me. Run your scenario by me. 90% of the time, I can just answer your question, go you on your way. Sometimes I'll recommend working on something together. I have never had, and, and Peter's an agent. You're with the XP, I think, with the Whistle Group down in San Diego, with the XP in San Diego, uh, an agent. Called me the other day with a case. We had a chance to go through, I think, is it in San Diego County, I think, if I remember right? Yes. I have never had an agent as prepared for a call. He had the documents. He had read it. He had a list of questions. I felt like I was... Uh, I was being quizzed in a sense, but he really wanted to learn. So I think the thing that I would say to anybody is if you have questions on your probate, I'm not an attorney, I'm not gonna give legal advice, but I do think I can help give you good business advice on what to do. And if nothing else, you get a colleague to help you brainstorm on what your options are. So Peter, shout out to you for being professional. If you take the attitude to your business, in the long run, you're gonna win. That's just how life works. Thank you, Bill. Yeah, and there's one thing you I always hear from, a lot of your your the weekly masterminds we you do is that you know go to the court yeah you know take that time take that effort because what you're going to learn from going is you know you you won't i didn't even know what i was going to learn when i went right and just going this the stuff that i just kind of recognized being familiar with the courtrooms knowing how to navigate the courthouse um, like I told him, I went, I paid $30 to park. Um, and I be, and it was my fault for, you know, by the time I left my house. So, you know, another thing I learned is really preparing yourself. If, if there's something you need to do, really getting your things in line and, um, just following through and being prepared to do what you need to do. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I really admire that. I think you're right. I tell people all the time, go to court. I met Bill Hayes. Really what I used to do is go to court. I would always go early. You, you and I mentioned how you didn't know where to go. So you went to somebody and they got a little late and missed the court. So you wanted to see. And so in general, in, Cal in LA County, the 
court sales are scheduled at 8.30 a.m., they might be later on the calendar. Typically, the courts often start late at 9 o'clock. You might not get the court case called to 9.50, 9.30. I never tell that to a client. I never tell that to agents. I tell them, if it's called for 8.30, be there at 8 o'clock. Be parked in the building, buy a cup of coffee outside the door at 8. Why? Because you'll be there. You can read the calendar. You can meet people. That's where I met attorney Hayes was just hanging outside one day. I don't know where, you know, specifically, but I've met a lot of great people and I've met, learned a lot just by being there, not with any agenda. So shout out, Peter. Good job, man. Keep up the good attitude and uh, circle back. Let's know how your court case goes. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much, Bill. I appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. Who else? Anyone else have a question, challenge, problem, victory? Al, big Al Adola from, uh, well, well, what state? Oh, uh, Michigan. From the, from the mid of the finger, I don't know which one it is, but Big Al, let me get you unmuted here. Look at that with the muscle shirt on. Man, if I look like you, I'd be on podcast and video all day long, man. What's going on? Hey, I'm with my son. I took my son. I'm with my son to work out. I got nice. my little guy in the back somewhere. Nice. He went to the gym with us, too. But anyways, uh, so I'll tell you one thing. that. Here's I a flexor, Al. Come on. Let's see. Let's see the guns for the ladies. Come on. Let's see. The, there you go. I knew I, you wanted to do that so badly. I knew it. Go ahead. Okay, go ahead. I knew that. <laughs> Didn't have to ask twice. <laughs> okay. Now I couldn't hear you. That's reception. <laughs> anyway, so uh, I'll tell you from going so many court hearings mm. that uh, most of the hearings I didn't have to attend. But when I did have to attend, the beauty of it is whenever I was on a Zoom hearing after the fact or whenever they see my name as the realtor, most of the judges know my work is clean and know yeah. I know my stuff. Yeah. That nine out of 10 times, I rarely have issues because every time I was on a case, I had my CMA together, I had my ducks in a row, I had everything, my T's problems, my I's dotted, and every and any question they can answer, ask me, I knew how to answer it. So yeah. whenever they see my name on any other cases later, it was a smooth sale for me. I'm going to suggest there's actually two parts to what you're saying. One part is, you know, the judges and they know you. That's that's great. That's gold. The second part is even the judges you don't know, maybe they're new, they changed, you haven't been in their courtroom. You know how to act in a lawyerly way or a professional way so that they get your cut above the average realtor, right? That's how I, you know, how do how do lawyers talk to judges? Your Honor, then they say what they want to say. When, the judge, when they want to ask the judge question, excuse me, Your Honor, he, they say yes, then you can answer. And when you just act the appropriate way, the judge gets your cut above, and you get that by watching what goes on. So I think there's two parts that what you're what you're doing in your success. But thanks for for sharing that. And then part of it is when you go into the courtroom with a muscle shirt like that and you flex, the judges are going to just do give you whatever you want, right? <laughs> No, okay. Okay, Al. Okay, man. Thanks for sharing. And now Joanne asks, and this is a good question. Thank you. Uh, she asks in LA public court, is it allowing people to walk in and observe? The answer is yes. Now, certain things no, certain things are private, guardianships and certain parts of hearings and such. But in general, in LA County, and we're we were as strict as any court on allowing people in um uh Yes, you can go in now, and as a member of the public, you don't have to be on that court case. Um, now, I will say that, without getting too political, I'm hearing about 
people going back to masks and schools might be requiring masks again. I imagine if that's true, there'll be judges that require masks. So I would definitely bring one in your briefcase or purse and be so you don't have to go there and leave because of that. Because some of the judges can be kind of at the edge of that process. Well, I don't want to get into the politics of it, but you don't want to drive all the way there, park your car, pay 20 bucks, walk in, wait around to have the bailiff tell you no mask, you got to go out the door and you haven't had a mask in your in your pocket for two years. So definitely you want to come prepared. But generally speaking, yes, you can go in and observe. And I would say in any county, when people ask me, uh, like, like uh, Peter, when people ask me for another county, well, what can I do? I say, you need to go out and find out. Like your job, you want to learn this business. You want to be an expert in probate. You want to get business from people. Go to the county courthouse and find out. And know where the hearings are held. Know where the calendar is. Know where the research is available and not available is. Know where the coffee is. If your client's going to go, why not get there early, get, get a Starbucks and meet them and give them a drink, a coffee. I even tell people where to park. In fact, when I was going daily, what I used to, one of my little tricks was I would tell them which lot to go in and that if they mentioned my name, the parking's free because I would go early and I'd give the parking tenant 20 bucks, my business card and say, if they mentioned my name, you know, this is paying for the parking and the customers loved it. But, you know, I'm get, making $10,000, $20,000 on commission on a deal. I'm glad to do that. So um, again, know what's going on, know where to park, where not to park, where to get coffee, where do the courtrooms are, what times there are. If you know the judges, there's a big advantage. In LA, we have nine different departments. It's a little harder to learn all of them. In smaller counties, why would you not go? In smaller counties, I've had people on this call have tell me the judge would say, hey, why are you here? What a great idea. I'm glad to help you. And they'll answer questions and to know the judge, you know, you ask an attorney, when you have a relationship with the judge, that's that's monetizable, right? You're going to get better outcomes than somebody else if you have to go before him, just like Al said. So definitely take the opportunity to go to court. Um, I can't stress it often enough. Um, okay, I think we're updating all the questions. We're kind of in the last bit of the last few minutes here of the hour. So I think we'll wrap up here today. Uh, if you're watching this recording, I'm sorry we couldn't get the live stream started. I'm not sure what happened there. But those of you on the Zoom, that's the best way to go. Love to have you participate. Thanks again to Bill Hayes, the attorney in Pasadena, uh, the Los Angeles Trust Law Firm, and on Medicaid Trust, as well as he's got great resources, definitely worth checking out. Peter, great seeing you. Al, thank you. Uh, the rest of you, who have, whoever asked a question, thank you for, oh, Joanne, thank you for participating. We do this, this is probateweekly.com every Thursday, 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. 7 PM Eastern. You can see the past episodes at episodes probateweekly.com. Don't forget the Facebook group. Continue the conversation over there. We have about 2,800 members there from all across the country. We look at referrals there, requests for attorneys, for agents, post your, and also post your probate and trust-related content in my Facebook group. I'm glad to have you do that. It's where we can all support each other's views and subscriber counts and so on. So feel free to post your content there so that we can all help each other build our business. I'm Bill Gross. I'm at Bill Gross Probate and social media. Thank you all for being on today and we'll see you next week.